Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. I'm gonna, even though there's going to be a break uh, next, next Sunday, I'm starting a series today. The, the, the portion of this series today is going to be a little bit more lighter because it's, it's family, uh, family Sunday. Uh, for me, like, because of how God uses me, and I don't, know my, I don't know if my mindset goes this way because of what God has called me to do, to do uh, or God has called me to do this because my mind goes here. But when I see things in life, especially music, but music, media, nature, activities, I have a tendency to see beyond what you normally see or what you normally hear. And I hear and I see messages. And I can't help it. I can be watching a movie and I see a message. When I say message, I mean a message from the Lord. I can be listening to a song and and uh, other than a vulgar song, I, and I hate vulgar music, uh, it, it scratch that one out, but a lot of music, a lot of people might hear certain aspects of lyrics, but when I hear music and I see lyrics, for me, I get a plethora of messages that comes to me. And I can't, I can't help it, uh, when I go out into nature, especially like the stories with the sequoia trees and... Uh, how when they catch on fire, it just makes them stronger, uh, more so than it destroys them. Uh, the first time uh, I was in the Sequoia National Forest and I heard that, man, my, my spirit and my brain was going off the charts because of messages. So a couple years ago, I started watching this series, the Mandalorian series, and it's actually one of my favorite series. I, I like the Mandalorian, and it's a, very, it's a clean series if, it's, if you're ever interested in watching it with your family. Uh, there is action, so I don't know how you feel about, you know, uh, action when it comes to the age of your children. But as I was watching this, for me, man, my spirit and my mind was going off the charts uh, when it came to messages, when it came to Christian living. And one of the things that really stood out to me is if you was to watch this series, uh, right now there's two seasons, there's rumors there's going to be a third season, but... One of the things that is constantly said in this series is, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. And what it pertains to is the Mandalorian, this warrior right here. Uh, There is a certain lifestyle that he is required to live because of the commitment or because of the covenant that he made. Uh, He made a covenant to be a Mandalorian, and because he made a covenant uh, to be a Mandalorian, there is a specific set of rules and commandments and laws that he must live by. And throughout the series, whenever he would be tempted to go against those ways or whenever he had to explain himself because of a way, he would always say, and not only him, there was female Mandalorians and other Mandalorians in the series, they would always end it or start it with, this is the way, this is the way. 
And so for me, we're going to start a series on This is the Way, and it's going to be based off some specific ways that you and I are called to live by, specific ways from God that we should live in its ways according to the Bible. So and I, what I love, you don't hear about this lot a lot. Uh, in the very beginning, before there was the word Christian, there was the phrasing, the way. And people who were called, uh, who, people who were followers of Christ or who came to believe in Christ after the ascension of Christ was considered people of the way. And then uh, a little bit after that, actually years after that phrasing or that identity for who we call Christians today came the term Christian. But before the term Christian, there was the phrasing or the term or the identity for Christ followers as people of the way. And I love how And I wonder if the creators of this kind of like stole this from the Bible, but just wouldn't say it was from the Bible. You know how Hollywood works. I wonder if they kind of stole that from the Bible, because before there was the way of the Mandalorian, there was the way of the follower of Christ. And so we're going to get in in, today. Like I said, it's going to be kind of light waters because we this is family Sunday. Uh, But we're going to get in some deeper waters on about what is our way? How should we live? What should we do? What has God really called us to do? So we're going to be diving into that over the course of the next month. Uh, but today, this is a family, uh, a family-friendly message, and let's just start off by watching a video. This is just a trailer of The Mandalorian, uh, just something uh, entertaining for us. Let's watch this. Grief Karga said you were coming can I get these lights, please? Best in the Parsec. What's your highest bounty? There is one job. They said 50 years old. The commission was quite specific. The asset was to be terminated. was not unwarranted. Any idea what they're gonna do with it? Mando! Put the package down. The kid's coming with me. How many of them have tracking fobs? All of them! All of them! They know he's here. Then they'll keep coming. Traveling with me. That's no life for a kid. You are a clan, too. This is the way. You have something I want. means more to me than you will ever know. 
Can you look at somebody and say, this is the way? Oh, I think you can do better than that. Maybe look at somebody else and say, this is the way. So I'm going to read you one, two, three, four, five, six verses scattered throughout Acts that backs up what I just mentioned about the first identity for followers of Christ was termed the way. Acts 9-2 says, And asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Uh, Chapter 19, verses 9, But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, Before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of uh, Tyrannus. Uh, Chapter 19, verse 23. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. Uh, Chapter 22, verse 4. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. 24:14 24:14 but this i confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect i worship the god of our fathers believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets if you notice it said according to the way so that phrase according to the way means there is a specific order in which the way operated. So according to the way, which they call a sect, so that means there was a separated group of people that was different than anybody else. They were called a sect. It says, according to the way, I worship the God of our fathers. So you see that there was a distinct uh, group of people that was different from everybody else and they were called the way, and then the last verse, 24, 22. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, when Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. So we see that the way was the original uh, name for followers of Christ, And the reason they was called the way is because their way was different than anybody else's way. It was different than the Jewish religion. It was different than Romans. It was different than the Greeks. It was different than anything else. And it was a unique set of beliefs that required a unique set of actions. And it wasn't a religion. It wasn't just some do's and don'ts, but followers of the way actually made a choice to enter into a different lifestyle. And that's something we have to realize. Christianity has become a religion, but in its origin is not a religion. In its origin is simply a lifestyle. It's It's a specific lifestyle, a set of lifestyle choices that causes the followers of this lifestyle or the followers of the way 
to be apart and to be different than any and everybody else. So just like the Mandalorian, if you was to get inside this series, you would see that this warrior, this individual, had a specific set of lifestyle choices that he or they must live, live by. And it completely set them apart from any and everybody else. Just like us. God has called us to be different. The Bible says to separate yourself from the world. So we are called to live a way. And when we live this way, we actually become a part of the way. So we are called to live in a way that actually does some things for us. It enables us to fulfill our purpose. If the Mandalorians didn't live in a specific way, they would not be able to fulfill their purpose. The way it allows us to be who God has called us to be. Without following the way, there is no possible way that you and I would be able to be who God created us, destined us, anointed us, empowered us, and has enabled us to be, just like the Mandalorian, if he did not live according to the way, there was no possible chance he could be what he was created and committed to being. Also, for us, following the way allows us to be called and not just titled, but actually live in the identity of being children of God. Living according to the way, being a part of the way, enables us to be the children of God. When we are not a part of the way, we remove ourselves from the adoption process that occurs when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. The Bible says that we've been grafted into the vine of God. The Bible says that we've been adopted into his family. But we are only grafted into the vine and we are only adopted into his family when we follow the so you can see the way is very important when it comes to us and God. Now, I want us to look at three ways this morning. I have a slide for this. Are you guys keeping up with my slides? Because I can't keep, I think you've missed some. Because I can't preach and keep up slides at the same time. So we're going to look at three ways this morning that is very important for us. And we're going to reference the Mandalorian ways. So number one is armor. The Mandalorian had a special armor that protected him. It allowed him to deflect uh, hits with swords, hits with lasers, uh, fire, and the like. The armor is what enabled him to really do what he was supposed to do. Now, the Bible tells us 
In Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Can you say the whole armor of God? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor. Can you say whole armor? Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So this is a part of our way, putting on the armor of God. I have an issue when uh, people just just kind of throw out the term, oh, God to take care of it. Oh, it's in God's hands. Oh, you don't have to worry about anything. God's, he, he, he's the master of it all. God can take care of everything. There is a lot in his hands, and he is the master of it all. But so oftentimes we use those comments because we're just lazy. Right? We don't want to take responsibility. A sin, a, a, uh, the curse of entitlement has leaked into the way culture or Christian culture, and sometimes we, are in, we, we feel we are entitled to God doing everything for us, but it just doesn't work that way. And one of the ways that we must exercise principle and commandment is by putting on the whole armor of God. We can't expect God to protect us and not put on the whole armor of God. Commandment, the commandments of God alone doesn't protect us. Biblical principles alone doesn't, doesn't always protect us. If they did, then why would Paul be teaching, put on the whole armor of God so that you can endure the work of the enemy? Right? So we can't just teach our kids everything's going to be okay. You're one of God's babies. He'll take care of you. It doesn't work that way. No, we need to teach our children that there is a big bad devil and God but God has given us the power. God has given us the strength and God has given us the way to stand up, rise up, fight against and protect ourselves against the big bad devil. And one of those ways is for us to put on the whole armor of God. I can't put your armor on. God is not going to put your armor on. Your husband or your wife can't put your armor on. You've got to put your own armor on. It's the way. What is the armor of God? I'm not going to break down this. Parents, I would encourage you to set aside some time and teach your kids about the armor of God. I, I know Olivia has done a series in our children's ministry, but it's very important to, to just to repeat that and to remind your children. But what is the armor of God? The belt of truth. Number one. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Number three, the shoes of the gospel. Number, uh, number four is the shield of faith. Number five is the helmet of salvation. Number six is the sword of the Spirit. It is our 
responsibility. Can you look at somebody and say, this is your responsibility? For you to put on all six of these articles of armor. If you do not, and you have to realize, it said it two times in this section of Scripture, it says whole. Can you say whole? That's not 95%. That's not half. That is whole. All of it, 100%. Put on the whole armor of God to withstand the enemy in the day of evil. We all know we are in a day of evil. No matter where you look, no matter who you talk to, it's everywhere. It's in small town America. It's in big town America. And it's across the world. We are in a day of evil like we have never, ever witnessed in the history of mankind. And what is one of the things that is going to keep us safe in this day of evil? It's when you and I put on the armor of God. And when we teach our children to put on the armor of God. Can I get it right on? Number two is the Mandalorian was to never take off his helmet. Now, when you watch the series, you come across two or three different groups of Mandalorians. The traditional Mandalorian was to never take off their helmet. It was a vow, a covenant that they made. There was some uh, strands of Mandalorians that kind of broke off that did take their helmet off, but yet they were somewhat rejected. Now, bringing that home to us, because this isn't a message about Mandalorians, is it? Bringing this home to us, I just read to you one of the articles of armor is the helmet of salvation. And it is so important that we never, can you look at someone and say never, take off our helmet of salvation. Now, some might believe that once you put the helmet of salvation on, it can never be taken off. Uh, As your pastor, I don't believe that. And I feel like I have scripture to back that up. But let me just share with you real briefly three ways that I feel you can take your helmet of salvation off. Number one is stop believing that Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross and resurrected from the dead. I personally don't believe you can stay saved and not believe in the one who saves you. Does that make sense? There is a lot of strange beliefs going on in the church, outside of the church. The Bible teaches that in the last days there will be false prophets, false apostles, apostles that will give strange teaching when you jump into the old testament it refers to strange incense so we just talked about this uh wednesday night when it comes to uh the altar of incense the incense represents the prayers of the saints the altar itself represents the saint 
And in that area of Scripture, the Bible talks about not coming and offering strange incenses unto God, which means for us in the New Testament, don't come and offer strange prayers, strange ideas, strange ways, strange interpretations of Scripture unto the Lord. Come on, I'm getting off on a little bit of rabbit trail, but I feel the need, I, I felt the need to say that this morning when, for whatever reason, when worship was going on, the Holy Spirit just dropped strange incense into my spirit sitting there, and I just felt like I need to say that. Do not get caught up into strange teaching, strange theology, strange prayers. Know what the Bible says. Know what it means in the blacks and the whites, and know that you cannot get all weird and get off on some kind of weird trail because in the last days, people will make certain aspects of Scripture sound like they are the thing, like they're good, but in all reality, they are strange teachings. And if you want to lose your salvation, follow a strange teaching that at the end of that teaching, you find yourself veering away from Jesus and you're more into a movement than you are into Jesus. If you are following something that takes you into a movement as opposed to takes you into Jesus, then you are following a strange teaching. Because it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the way, he is the life, and he is the truth. And no man can come to God except through Jesus. Amen? There is strange movements that, 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 that give precedence to the power, that give precedence to authority, that give precedence to prayer. They make it seem like it's good because they teach biblical principles, but if you really study it out, the focus and the emphasis and the worship and the hunger and the desire is not Jesus. It has something else that has a tendency to seem like Jesus, but it's a strange teaching which in essence is a strange incense trying to be burnt up to God, but God rejects it. It's a stench in the nostrils of the Lord. I don't need to stay on point. Lorana told me not to be aggressive this morning. She said, you've been aggressive here lately. Have I been aggressive? They spoke the truth. I'm sorry. Okay, that was private. She said, I, I, she said I, I'm going I'm to I'm share our private, our private talk. I was leaving the house this morning, and she said, I'm going to, uh, this I'm kind of paraphrasing because I can't ever remember details. She said something like, I'm going to put the mama card on you. I'm going to give you a mama talk. Husbands, whenever your wife says, I'm going to give you a mama talk, just, just suck it up, buttercup. Uh, you're never going to win that one. Okay. So, but, uh, just suck it up and then do whatever you want to do with it later. But, uh, I said, that, that, that could be received. That could be rejected. It's on you. That's on you. But she said, let me give you a mama talk. She said, you've been aggressive here lately. I said, what? I didn't been aggressive. She said, yeah, you've been passionate. I said, what, in church? She's like, I don't know. You've just been aggressive. Aggressive. She said, maybe it's because of, you know, Watching Koa play football because I, 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 I can get a bit aggressive. Uh, and this Friday night, I was very aggressive. I had asked, Lord, forgive me. Uh, 
And I think she was saying, don't, don't bring that into the church today. Don't bring that to the church today. Nonetheless, I don't know why I'm saying that. Let's move on. Where am I at? I wasn't supposed to say that. So, one way to lose the helmet of salvation is to completely step away from Jesus as the Son of God or follow a teaching that leads you away from the message of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Amen? The second one, a way to lose your helmet of salvation is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, and I'm paraphrasing here again, that you can be forgiven of anything except blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Now, the term blasphemy is generally defined as defiant irreverence. It's applied to such sins as cursing God or willfully, the term willfully is really big there, degrading things related to God. Blasphemy is also attributing some evil to God or denying him some good that we should attribute to him. Now, just to give you a little bit of biblical reference here, because I've come across this, questions from, this question from believers uh, quite, all, quite, quite a lot throughout my years in ministry. So the context of this is Jesus healed somebody. And then the religious leaders was like, he healed this person from the power of Beelzebub. That it was a demon. No, he cast a demon out. I'm sorry. He cast a demon out. He said it was a demon that gave him the power to cast out that demon. And Jesus got really logical with him, and then he got really spiritual with him. And the, logic, the, the logical side of Jesus, his, his logic, the, the, the logical side of his brain was like, that don't make any sense. How, why would the devil give me power to cast out one of his own? It just don't make any sense there. The devil's not going to give me power to cast out a demon. So he, he, he kind of broke them down in a very logical format, but then he got spiritual. Then he went into a little short exhortation on anything can be forgiven except blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And what we get right there is because Jesus was operating in the Spirit of God when he casted that demon out. But yet, these religious people was accusing Jesus of having a demonic spirit in him. So technically, what the religious people was doing was saying that the spirit in you is, is demonic as opposed to holy. And what they were doing is they was actually walking on really thin ice and the water was beginning to boil under their feet because that's when Jesus got really spiritual with them and technically gave them a warning and was like, anybody that blasphemes the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiving. So in other words, if you are calling the spirit in me, which is the spirit of God, demonic, then you are coming really close to blaspheming the Holy Ghost, and there is no forgiveness for you calling the spirit in me demonic. Now that's blasphemy. I've had a lot of people say, well, what's that? What's blasphemy? It's when you place the Spirit of God in the same category as a demonic spirit. God don't play with that. 
Right? So, if you want to take your helmet of salvation, just start speaking ill and evil against the Spirit of God. It just, it just doesn't work. The third one is practicing sin. Practicing sin against God. I, I've said this numerous times. The Bible says that if you practice uh, sin or the flesh, it's in Galatians 5, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now, now the key here is inherit. If you, well, there's, there, there, there's a bunch, but practice and inherit the kingdom of God. Or it might say the kingdom of heaven. Now, who typically inherits something when someone dies? Either children a loved ones that is close to the deceased. So Galatians 5 says that if you practice these things, and there's, about a, there, there's a list of sins and a list of flesh, you can go check it out, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. The fact that he is saying you will not inherit is technically saying you will no longer be a child, or you will no longer be someone that's close to me. Because who inherits? Either children or loved ones that is close close to the deceased. So it's really important. When we practice the sins that is listed in Galatians 5, We remove ourselves from a position of inheriting the goodness, the blessings, the promises of God. And since we are removed from inheriting, then that has to mean, this last part is my thinking, for me this has to mean, since I'm not inheriting the promises, the good, the kingdom from, if I'm not inheriting, then that means I'm not a child. Because as a children of God, I have been promised a a inheritance. But if I'm not inheriting anything, then that means I have been removed from the family of God. Because any and everybody that is in the family of God will inherit the blessings of God. But if we are in a position to not inherit, then that means we are out of position as a child of God. Are you breathing this morning? And if you are out of a position as a child of God, guess what has happened? You removed the helmet. Because if you're not a child of God, you're not saved. And if you are a child of God, you're saved, meaning you have the helmet of salvation. Amen? The third one. Time is it? 11.14. I'll be quick with this one. Is doing good for others. So in the series, the Mandalorian was supposed to just, you know, come and get baby Yoda. Uh, his real, real name is Grogu. He was supposed to get uh, Grogu and deliver him to a, a certain group of people. But when he got there and he saw those big old weird eyes looking at him, his heart just melted. And he decided to rescue him and save him and help him. And if you watch the series, you will notice that the Mandalorian helps the helpless. He helps those who are in need. And one of the things that we should do 
as followers of the way, is always willing to do good for others. It's to help others in need, even when it might be hard for us, even when it might be uncomfortable, even when it might be risky for us. Throughout the Bible, you see this on a regular basis. One that just definitely comes to mind is the story of the Good Samaritan. You got two religious, you know, you got a man that was on the side of the road in a ditch. He had been whooped and beat up and robbed from, left for dead. You had two pious religious leaders that was supposed to carry out the love of God because the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And your second is love your neighbor as yourself. But they just, they were too good. They were too stuck in their religiosity and they just kept walking by. And here is a man that came by that was just of a, of a completely different sect, of a, a, a different belief, but yet he saw the man in need. And he helped the man in need. He put the man up in a hotel room. He covered the expense. He did good for this man that was left to die. And that is a perfect example of the good that we should do. We, number one, we should not allow, remember last week my message on differences? We should not allow differences to stop us from doing good for people. As a follower of the way, in spite of what other people believe, it is still our duty to do good. As followers of the way, we do good to Muslims. As followers of the way, we should do good to Satanists. As followers of the way, we should do good to people of a New Age religion. As followers of the way, we should do good to Buddhists. As followers of the way, we should do good to Hindus. As followers of the way, we should do good to our enemy. As followers of the way, we should do good to people who mistreat us. As followers of the way, we should do good to people that we just don't like. As followers of the way, when the opportunity lends itself, we should be willing to do them good. To help them. To love them. Not because we get anything from it. Not because there's a, another jewel in our crown when we get to heaven. Not because we think we're going to get blessed a little bit better. No, simply because it's the way. This is the way. And it's really called the way of love. By us helping people, by us doing good to people, it doesn't change our commitment to our faith. It does not change the standards and the convictions that we've embraced that comes from the Bible and our knowledge of it. Us loving, us doing good, us treating people right 
because every single human being is made in the image and the knowledge of God or the image and the likeness of God, excuse me, is just a part of the way. And it's that way that has the greatest potential of leading the lost to the light that is found in the way of God. Before you get ugly with somebody, before you get harsh with somebody, before you talk about somebody, before you cast judgment on somebody, before you stick your nose up in the air as you're walking past somebody, before you think you're better than anybody, consider the way. Because that is not the way. Amen? So the way that we've talked about today is putting on the armor of God so that we can defend and fight against the enemy. It's maintaining the helmet of salvation so that we can remain a child of God. And it's making sure we do good for others when the opportunity is presented for us. We do this because it's the way. God's way. God's way. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. I want to pray over you and let the music... Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.